We are now in week three of our series, My Family, God's Design. Have you been enjoying this, this series so far? How about last week with, with Kathy up here? Well, I've been blown away. I guess I'm just going to have to bring her up here like almost all the time because we went to Mobile this past week where, you know, to let the kids meet with some friends and, and, you know, and stuff like that. And all the people we ran into that we knew were like, oh, we watched that video of you and Kathy. And I'm like, well, did you see some of the other ones? No, we didn't, didn't see those, just, just that one. And I'm like, oh, well, fine then. But, uh, no, we had a great time last week. The first week we talked about something beautiful. That was our, our title in, the, in week one. And we talked about the house of Israel, house of Jacob, and what a mess it was. And the, the big idea was that if something beautiful can come out of that mess, which the nation of Israel came out of that, and eventually the Messiah was born, the big idea was that if God can do something beautiful out of that, then he can do something beautiful in our family. No matter what is going on, no matter you know, what problems or issues that we're facing. And then in week two, we're just talking about, Kathy and I talked about God's design for dating and marriage. And at the end of that, we, I challenged you, and I said, look, for one month, let's make a commitment to submit one to another, to serve each other, to ask how we can help. And, and, and how's that going? I found myself last night at 10 o'clock exhausted up in the up in Rachel's room helping her clean because I offered to do that and thinking to myself, what in the world was I thinking? What in the world was I? No. Listen, let's stick with it, okay? Let's stick with it. I honestly believe if we, if we served one another because we love one another and we submit to one another, things are going to be a lot better in our home and in our church. Well, today we're going to talk about something that just isn't discussed that often inside the four walls of the church. Now, it's talked a lot out there. You hear a lot about this subject out there and in the media and in Hollywood, but not inside the four walls of the church. And the reason it's not talked about in here is because it's such a divisive subject. The pendulum of emotion and opinion swings wide on this issue even in the Christian denominations and ranks. And so I go into this with full knowledge, and you're going to think I'm crazy, and I probably am, with full knowledge that the potential for controversy is very high with this issue, and that issue is homosexuality. And parents, before you get too nervous and grab your kids up and run out the back door or something like that, listen... Trust me, they're hearing all kinds of things in school and and with their friends. It's time that we deal with real life issues in here. You may be thinking, Pastor Allen, why in the world would you teach this during a family series? That's a fair question, but my answer is, is this, and it's on the board. The issue of homosexuality at some point or another will affect every family here. Every family, whether it's a 
son, daughter, cousin, uncle, friend, co-worker, loved one, yourself, and most certainly it affects our church. I've had emails after emails about this subject before I even announced that I was going to be preaching about it. I'm teaching this because it's essential. Are you listening to me? It's essential that as the body of Christ, we know how to approach this subject out there without burning bridges, without being ugly, without being divisive in the real world with grace and truth. We need to know how to talk to our loved ones, how to talk to our children who may be right in the middle of it but without a judgmental and condescending attitude. Now this, I won't lie, this is one of the hardest messages I've ever prepared. My heart, I mean, it, I, have, I have struggled and wrestled with this, not because of I'm nervous about the subject, it's because I just know how divisive it is. And, and the last thing a pastor wants to do is offend somebody or drive somebody off or say the wrong thing So I'm going to be sticking very, very closely. I apologize even if you look, think he's reading. I don't want to say the wrong thing off the cuff. That's why presidents don't typically do speeches without a teleprompter where every word is weighed. That's how I feel. I want to accomplish three things. First, I want to lay a strong foundation of grace and love by verbalizing what Jesus would say to the gay community of of, of right now, 2016. What Jesus would say. And we can do that even though he didn't talk specifically about it. We can do it based on his teachings and based on the way he lived his life. We can know what he would say. And by the way, his message should be our message as well. Second, We're going to unpack what the New Testament says about homosexuality. That's the first section is about the grace, and then we're going to talk about truth. I'm not even going to go to the Old Testament. I'm not going to talk about Leviticus, okay? We're going to look at the New Testament and what it says about our subject. And then third, I have a video testimony that basically shows what is possible through grace and truth of the gospel. We're going to look at that and talk about that. So, have I created enough tension? Everybody do me a a flavor. Everybody do me a flavor. Breathe in. Breathe out. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. First, grace. I want to lay the strong foundation of grace by giving you three things that Jesus would say to the gay community right now in 2016. Number one, I love you. I love you. Now listen. Make no mistake about it. Jesus would not be caught holding a sign that says fags or queers go to hell. He would not be in that group. He would not be in that group. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrate his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Everybody say, still sinners. Christ died for us. So yes, Jesus did participate in a demonstration. 
But his demonstration wasn't holding an ugly sign. His demonstration was when he was nailed on the cross for my sin and your sin. That was his demonstration. It was a demonstration of love and not hate. Listen, Jesus says to any, any, any sinner, gay or straight, I love this, I don't just love a future version of you. I love you right where you are. That's good news. Because I, 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 I'm still unlovable a lot of the time. Don't amen that too loud. Jesus doesn't just love a future version of you. He loves you right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' love for us has no prerequisites or requirements. We don't have to do anything to gain his love. Listen to this. Even if you hate him, and he is hated in this world, even if you hate him, Jesus loves you and wants what's best for you. Even if you completely disagree with everything in his word and everything I'm going to say, he still loves you and wants what's best for you. Love is at the core of everything Jesus taught. He said, love God and love people. You want to know what the law is all about? Love God and love people. Unfortunately, many Christians... Many teachers, many preachers, many people that claim Christianity would rather make a point than make a difference. They'd rather make an, you know, win an argument than make a difference in somebody's life. And a message of love turns into a message of hate. Truth without grace and love comes across hateful every time. Did you hear that? Truth without love and grace comes across hateful every time. So number one, I love you. Number two, he would say, and he does say, I understand rejection. Jesus knows how it feels to be a social outcast. You would think that the religious folks of his day would love him, would sit at his feet and listen to the greatest teacher who ever lived, but they didn't. They hated him. They conspired to kill him and they would eventually, as you know, succeed at that. It was bad enough that the religious community rejected him, but how many know it's even more painful to be rejected by people that you love and that love you? Anybody? Come on. And that's exactly what happened. At Jesus' greatest moment of need, when he was arrested, all of his loved ones, all of his disciples ran away. Listen to Matthew 26, 55. Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point, at the point of his greatest need, all the disciples deserted him and fled. You may be feeling rejected, Today, this sermon is, is for everyone. You know that, right? You, you, you're getting that. You're not sitting there going, well, I don't, this is not my life. I don't, I don't identify with this. I don't struggle with this. I've never really known anybody that has. So I'm going to shut pastor off. No, no, this is for everyone. You may be feeling like the church has let you down. And maybe it has. 
You may be feeling rejected. You, young people, students, you may feel like you're on the outside of the crowd. Even at work, you may feel like you never can get in. You could never get into that group and, and, ha- and be able to converse and talk. You always feel like you're on the outside. Jesus understands those feelings. His heart always breaks for the rejected and the outcast. Jesus is saying to all of us today, including the gay community, my arms are wide open. Please don't reject me. Come on. Please don't reject me because I have not rejected you. And then number three, I want more for you. I want more for you. Now, as we talked about last week, sex was created for one man and one woman within the covenant of marriage. Come on. This was, this, this was established all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. And God says anything outside of that box is sin. Anything. Adultery. Premarital sex. Homosexuality. Now, sin is not a popular word, and unfortunately, um, it's preached less and less from the pulpits in America. But Jesus will not stop bringing it to our attention because he loves us. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, come on, it's because Jesus loves you. And if that sin That ongoing practice of sin is never dealt with. He knows you're going to miss out on eternal life with him. So when we're convicted of sin, when sin is brought to our attention through a pastor, through a friend, through the Holy Spirit, whatever, it is because Jesus loves us. The reason he clearly defined marriage and sex in the Bible is not to kill our fun. That's the common view of God. God, you're just taking away everything that's fun. You're taking away everything that I want to do. You're a giant killjoy in the sky. Why would I want to serve you? That's not the God that I know. It's because he knows what's best for us. If we would be honest, come on now, if we would be honest and think about the sexual encounters that happen outside of that covenant of marriage, really be honest, those relationships are harmful and destructive and wreck families and hurt people. You may disagree with me, but if you were to take an honest look at that and look back in your life, I think you would come to the same conclusion. Listen, I want you to ignore the political arguments, ignore the protesters, Ignore the noise. Here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to take like we're on a table and just clean the table off completely of all of that stuff. And what I said during the praise and worship is what we're going to focus on. Jesus simply wants us to trust him. That's more important than anything else. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 said, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Jesus wants everyone 
to be saved. Does anybody believe that? The word of God says Jesus wants everyone to be saved, no matter what walk of life, no matter what background, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they're doing, Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Does that sound like a God that's waiting for you to mess up? Does that sound like a God that just wants to keep you from having a good time? Jesus wants to be our Savior. He wants us to trust Him with, like the song we were talking about, with everything. Here's the point. It's on the board. Write it down. There is no permanent joy outside of Jesus. Come on. There is no permanent joy outside. Now, there may be temporary satisfaction and fulfillment. There may be a season where you're enjoying that or you're doing this and you're having a good time, but it won't last. There is only eternal joy and fulfillment inside, in Christ, knowing Christ. He is the only way. He's the only way to experience that joy that becomes our strength that will sustain us. There is no joy outside of Him. Jesus wants what's best for you. He wants you to experience a full life. He wants you to walk in your purpose. He's not, I love that, he's not concerned with winning an argument. Good grief, folks. We get so twisted. Oh, this, this political thing? Woo! How many people have we turned off as believers? because of our political leanings and because of our spewing stuff on Facebook because we want to win an argument. Let's show a little self-control. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. Be careful with what you say and what you do. Quit trying to win arguments and let's, let's maybe try to win souls. How about that? Y'all are so tentative. It's like, oh, that. Oh, that. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> it's got a message. It's just like, oh, oh, yeah. Here's the deal. Jesus simply wants you to know that a relationship with him is better than anything else out there. So I love you. I understand rejection. And I want more for you. That is Jesus' message to the world, to everyone, gay or straight. You believe that? And so as followers of Christ, that has to be our message as well to everyone. All right, that's part one. That's, that's the grace. Somebody praise the Lord for grace, amen. Aren't you glad that he gave you grace? Now, let's, look, let's move into part two. Let's talk about truth for a few minutes But as we look at these very difficult and tough verses and controversial verses, don't forget the grace that we just talked about, okay? Romans 1, if you want to turn there, that's going to be our main text today. They're going to put it on the board as well. Romans 1, 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth, who push, what are we talking about right now? Truth 
who push down the truth by their wickedness or by their behavior. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to to them. I love the word obvious. I love clarity. God is saying, look, they know the truth because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Theologically, this is called natural revelation, God revealing himself through creation. He's not talking about the Jewish people. He's talking about everyone. He has revealed himself to every single human on this planet through the creation that he made. Now, I don't know how he does it all the time. You know, and and I don't know how he, I just know he's big enough to do that. And that's what he's talking about. He says, so going on, he says, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like as a result. Now listen, what's he talking about? As a result of not acknowledging God. As a result of not worshiping God as Jehovah, their minds became dark and confused. Does that sound familiar to anybody out there? Come on, are you, are you tracking with me? This world, our nation, has rejected the God of heaven. And as a result, we see what happens. Their minds become dark and confused. How else could we explain what is happening in our world? It's because people have pushed back God and they have not accepted him. They have not worshipped him. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. I'm not going to get a show of hands, but I know you watch Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and all that. The talking heads. Constant, 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 constant. And they think they're all smart and all that, and to God they are utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now hold it, Pastor Allen. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Nobody does that anymore. Well, that's actually false. They do. But we don't have idols anymore in America. I was in a bookstore last night, and one of the largest sections in that bookstore was the self-help section. Why do you think one of the largest sections in the bookstore is a self-help section? It's because everyone on the planet knows something is wrong, and we need help. Christian... Atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, nothing. It doesn't matter. Gay, straight, it doesn't matter. Everyone on the planet knows that something went terribly wrong. But the problem, see, the the Apostle Paul is unpacking that very problem in Romans chapter 1, but the problem isn't addressed in self-help books. The problem isn't low self-esteem. The problem isn't being obese. The problem isn't being out of shape or bad finances or bad choices. The problem is that people have decided they don't need or want God. That's the problem. 
The problem is that we, we focus on creation instead of the creator. The problem is that we as the United States of America have decided that we want God's blessing, but we don't want God's direction. We want his stuff, but we don't want him. And that, my friends, is idolatry. That is the problem. It was the problem in the Old Testament. It was the problem in the New Testament. And it's the problem now. And it's the root. Listen, 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 listen. It's the root of all the other issues that we face. The problem is not homosexuality. Let's just bring it home. The problem is that we don't want God. Now we're going to head into some very difficult verses in the next few verses here, okay? Verse 24. So God abandoned them. Listen to me. Look up here. This is called passive judgment. It's not God throwing a lightning bolt. That would be very active, wouldn't it? It's God saying, you know what? Okay. You want it? You got it. And it's his taking his hands off. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, as a result of this passive judgment, They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. It almost always comes down to sexual sin. 25, they traded the truth about God for what? For a lie. And here's the lie. The lie is not homosexuality is okay. That's not the lie. The lie is that we are smarter than God. The lie is that I know better than God what's good for me. In other words, we're going to trade the truth about what God reveals in his word that's for my best. We're going to trade that with what I think is best because I believe I'm smarter than God. That's the lie. Continue on there on the board. So they worshipped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who was worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful... Why? Because of idolatry. Even the women turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Is that clear? Is there any ambiguity there at all? 27... And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this, what? It it says it right there. As a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. So here's, look up here. Out of this idolatry, out of this rebellion to God, okay, came perversions of God's design. Homosexuality is one of those 
perversion. It's not the only one. There are many. But this verse, come on now, come on. This passage clearly identifies homosexuality as one of those perversions that came out of this rebellion and specifically names it a sin. Now let me tackle a common argument with this. There are many who feel like this was a cultural issue. Okay, in other words, you know, this, you know, this was the day of Paul and this was a big no-no back then and people were stoned and all this stuff and so he had to deal with it. But now we've come a long way. We've evolved. This isn't any no longer the truth. This was a cultural thing. It was a cultural argument. Paul was not making a cultural argument here. He was making a creation argument here. He was going all the way back to the beginning to establish how God created us and designed us, but we rebelled against him and went in different directions. This is extremely important, okay? It's on the board. This teaching from Paul about homosexuality is true for every culture in every time period, including ours. Because he wasn't just talking about culture. He was talking about creation. He was going to see that. Do you see that? I'm I'm serious. I want everybody to understand that. He wasn't talking about what was just happening in his culture. He was talking about, he was going all the way back to the beginning and say, God created it and designed it this way, but then humanity rebelled against it and did their own thing. They didn't want God in their life. He took his hands off, and this came out of that. Nod your head like this. Are we all right? Everybody good? All right, good. Got quiet on me. Here's the deal. And here's the deal with anybody. We either accept it or we don't. Come on. It, it all boils down to, it's, it's very clear here, we either accept it or we don't. Now that's easy to say if it's something that we agree with, right? We're like, woo, preach it, brother. I agree. It really doesn't matter if you agree. It, it, Wait until next week when I get on your toes and see what happens then. Do you still feel that way? You, 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 hear, you see what I'm saying? A lot of people get on the bandwagon with this subject because it's not something that they struggle with or they don't know have a loved one that struggles with it. And so they're like, preach it. And then when it's something that they struggle with, that they do in secret. You know where I'm going. We either accept it or we don't. It's still true. But we, we have to receive it, no matter what it is. Okay, so what do we do with all of this? How do we reconcile the grace that we talked about first and this difficult truth? What does it actually look like played out in the life of a real person. Has anybody heard of Dennis Jernigan? Anybody? Nobody? I guess it's because he's older. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those 80s kids. Where, I'm one of those 80s. Dennis Jernigan is a worship leader, songwriter, phenomenal musician, all those things who came out of the homosexual life in the early, early 80s. And I want us to watch his testimony. Go ahead. Uh, the Lord set me free uh, back in 1981. 
I thought that's the way I was. I, in fact, I'd given up. I'd said, this is just the way I was born. I'm going to stop fighting it. I'm going to embrace it. And the minute I embraced it, I dived headlong into a relationship. I'm very ashamed to even admit that. But uh, I gave myself to this life, and I expected peace to come. And for a season, I guess it did. But after a while, I became so frustrated, so felt so used all the time. I thought, well, this can't be right either. So I went on this incredible journey of discovery. I cut off this relationship I was in. I decided I'd go on to seminary, and then God began to speak to me three days before I was to go to seminary because a friend called me and said, Dennis, I've been, the Lord's been speaking to me about you, which scared me to death because I thought, man, the Lord does not speak to me about me. So what's he saying to this guy? Well, he said, the Lord came to him in a dream, and in this dream, God was giving me music, and people all over the world were singing the songs. And he said, to confirm it to you, my mom had the same dream this week. We'd like to know if you'd be interested in moving to Oklahoma City, live with us, give God a chance to work this in your life. So three days later, I'm living in Oklahoma City, driving a school bus to make a living. That's the only job I could find. But God's hand was all over that because what it forced me to do was cry out to God in this sense. Here's homosexuality calling my name. I mean, I'm being tempted, dragged that way all the time. Here's my friend telling me the things the Lord's telling him. So I'm being pulled in two opposing directions and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I didn't know what to do. I thought, I'm losing my mind. So I... After my morning bus routes, I'd take my Bible, go to my friend's piano, open to Psalm 1 because I remembered the stories of King Saul when he was beset by those evil spirits. They'd send for that shepherd boy to come and play, and I imagined David just worshipped there, and it says the enemy would flee, so I thought, I'll do that for myself. I opened to Psalm 1 and literally began singing through the Psalms. And after a while of singing, I've literally sung through the Psalms. I realized David committed adultery, David committed murder, yet David's commemorated as being a man after God's own heart, and I thought, I want that. And if you can do that for David, Lord, do it for me. Through a series of events, this, this friend who had the dream found out what I was struggling with and confronted me, but he confronted me in love. I'd never had anyone respond to me this way at all. He said, Dennis, I don't know how to help you. He said, I just know I know the answer. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, the answer is Jesus. I said, I've heard that my whole life. He said, not like this, you haven't. He said, I believe Jesus is the answer so much. I'm willing to walk towards him with you as long as it takes. If you fall down, I will not kick you. I will not tease you. I will not say I told you so. I will just help you up every time. He said, if you need a shoulder to cry on, I'm your guy. If you need someone to yell at when you don't understand, yell at me. I can take it. Mm. I had to go outside the church to find somebody who would love me like Jesus. And that guy did. And he still walks with me to this day. So that in itself, God used in a humongous way. I can't even overemphasize it enough to tell you what just one person stepping outside their comfort zone and saying, here, I'm going to walk with you. I don't even understand it myself, but I know the love of Jesus is the answer. So lo and behold, at a second chapter of Acts concert, November 7th, 1981, I got set free to such a degree I'd only imagined happening. So much healing came in a two-year period that he gave me a wife, and it's true, Melinda and I have nine children. We're not Mormon. We're not Catholic. They're not adopted. (laughs) And yes, we know what causes that. (laughs) But here's the deal. I remember being a little boy sitting in the church pew. By the time I'm 10, I already knew my struggle. And one Sunday morning before church started, I was playing with my brothers and cousins, and I overheard the men who taught me about God from day one discussing what they thought of homosexual. So guess what I thought God thought about me? I thought God hated me. And no one ever told me that I could be free. They only said, you do not get to pass go. You do not collect $200. You get to go straight to hell because of your sin. And I thought, oh, my goodness, once the Lord set me free, I'm, if I can help it, I'm not going to let anybody else go without hearing the good news that freedom is possible, hope is possible. Somebody loves you right where you are but loves you enough to not leave you there.
<clears throat> There's several things I just want to pull. I don't have much time. I'm going to have to cut some of this because I took my time with some of the other stuff. But I, I want to look at this really quickly. He said that he embraced, when he embraced the homosexual, he gave up. He, he said, this is just the way I am. And he embraced that lifestyle fully, believing that that would bring peace. And he said, for, for a little while it did, but it didn't last. Okay, I want you to remember that. He said it did not last. And then in 1981, when he turned back to God, he talked about it was a constant battle. His quote, the homosexual temptations were constantly dragging and pulling me away. I saw another video, but he didn't have time to watch, but I've, I've been watching a lot of these. And another video, same guy, he said, even to this day, even to right now, him with married nine children, he still has to battle. He still has to pray. He still has to, to push into battle. Number three, you know, I, I love when he said, I heard, I've heard Jesus is the answer all my life. I've heard Jesus is the answer all my life, but it wasn't until a friend showed him Jesus. Here's, here's, here's the deal. He showed him Jesus and he walked with him through this. God used this friend to transform his life. And here's the quote I want them to put up. The friend said, he said, I will walk with you. And when you fall or if you fall, I won't kick you. When you're down, I will help you up. Come on. Every time. Every time. Now this is the statement. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, guys. This is the statement that floored me right here. This is what Dennis said. I had to go outside the church to find someone to love me like Jesus. You want to know why I'm preaching this this morning? There's your answer right there. I don't want anyone who comes in those doors, no matter what their background, no matter what they're struggling with, whether they're gay, whether they're straight, to ever feel like they have to leave this place in order to get the help that they need. Do you understand? I'm serious about that. I had some other points in there. We're going to have to skip ahead. Basically, just responses to people and, and some arguments and things like that. We're not going to do that. If you want to stay through the next one, I might hit them all at, in the next service. You're like, no, I'm getting out of here. No. Um, let, me, let me give you this. For yourself or for someone that you love that may be dealing with same-sex orientation, attraction, but they love the Lord. The temptation, the urges, the tendencies are not the sin. Following through is the sin. I'm going to prove it to you. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is one. Jesus. We have Jesus who has been tempted in every way. Oh, but pastor, you don't mean that way. What does the Bible say? Tempted, tempted, tempted in every way, just like we are, but yet did not sin. Everybody look at me. If this is a struggle in your life or someone that you love, it might be something that you have to fight for the rest of your life. There's, homosexuality is not the only thing. Alcoholism, drug addiction, 
Any of those things, are it's that way. We have, come on, we all have urges and, and desires in our body, but we don't just give in to those things. It may be a battle for the rest of your life. The struggle is real. Listen to Paul explain it. Paul the Apostle, Romans 7, 22, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war. Everybody say, at war. With my mind, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Everybody say, thank God. Shout it. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is a battle. It is a fight. God never said it would be easy. Come on, how many of you have seen the Rocky movies? Any of them? Any of them, any, any, you know, there's like 15. Doesn't matter. What's the common thread? Why are they so successful? Because no matter how many times he goes down, here he is. He's, he keeps on fighting. He keeps on fighting. He keeps on digging. He keeps on pulling. And that's a great message for all of us. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what temptation it is, even if we trip up and fall, you got to get back up. And if you're not struggling, then help somebody else who is. Pick them up in Jesus' name. Don't kick them while they're down. Pick them up. Get out of your comfort zone and be the church. That's what we're going to be. Thank you, Lord. I think I shouted my microphone off. Let me give you the big idea. We're going to close. Skip on down to that, please. There is no permanent joy outside of Jesus. We said that already. And God's Word clearly places homosexuality outside of God's natural design. But the good news, the grace, is that God's grace is greater than any sin and freedom is available through Jesus Christ. So while, yes, the homosexual lifestyle, the homosexual act is sinful and it's destructive and it's not God's design, there is grace available and freedom available in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. You believe it? Give God praise one more time. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray a general prayer. Please hold off on moving around if you can. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray a general prayer for us.